Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. This week, we bring you munchies and ghoulies. That's the one with the famous poster of the thing coming out of the toilet. Apparently, it's set back potty training for most kids for a long time. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food or drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. Uh, the real go. question is, are, are all of us going to have to say we saw Rise of Skywalker? Because, <laughs> believe it or not, our thoughts on that somehow were not recorded. Oh, son of a bitch. <sighs> Trust me, you don't know how angry I was when that happened. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, let's see. We should probably check the email just in case. Checked it earlier. There appears to be a spam phone wanting to promote us, sponsor us, or whatever it's called. Oh, yeah. I remember that. I got those on pretty much every Gmail account that I have. Oh, really? Stop. Get out of here. Go. Go. Get out of here. Don't talk to Noah like that. <laughs> that was clever by me to say that. No, my butt. My butt hurts. That hurts so bad. <laughs> uh, so what did you do? I, I no, I have no idea. I I swear to God, I didn't do anything. I didn't like fall or anything. I have been working extra hours at work, and my chair's super uncomfortable. So maybe I've been sitting weird or something and you know just not paying attention because i've been stressed out due to all the audits and stuff we have going on but that's that's the only thing i can think of and it it hurts so fucking bad welcome to our old man podcast where we complain about how we injured ourselves by sitting wrong i mean i broke my ass by sitting down what the (laughs) well that's what we're assuming because we're not sure we're assuming that because it's 2019 and we know the reaction we'll get if we make the jokes we want to make. I had a buddy who broke a phone in his ass in the late 90s. It was hilarious. I was telling Char, I'm thinking about calling into work tomorrow because of the, because of my broken butt. But I don't know what good it would do because like, what am I supposed if I'm at home, I'm still going to be sitting down. Just as much. At home, you can lay down. That's the solution right there. I suppose that's true, but I don't. I can laying down all day sounds awful. I don't know. It doesn't sound that bad to me, but I'm saying it sounds like my foot wouldn't hurt. My back would hurt. If you're gonna call in for tomorrow, you're required to record it. 
because I want to hear the explanation of why you're calling me. <laughs> well, is... no, my boss, my boss already knows about it because I was talking to him to do it. It's been hurting for a few days, but today, um, because of those audits, I had a two-hour meeting this morning, and I sat in like a wood chair for two hours. And whenever the meeting was over, I went to get up, and I like had to stop. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to have to sit here and wait for all these people to leave this room before I stand up because it's going to be that fucking embarrassing because I'm not going to be able to, like, just get up with my legs. I'm going to have to, like, lean over this table and push myself out of this chair. You know, Because when you stand up, you're like, oh, my butthole, my butthole hurts so bad. <laughs> pretty, pretty much. Although it's it's not the butthole. It's more like the top of my butt crack. Yeah, but... You yelling yeah, my butthole! Better. You yelling my butthole hurts is a funnier image. I don't know if he's yelling my butt crack hurts. That's pretty funny. Because <laughs> I assume this is like a uh, sitcom scenario too, where like but, the guys are all like, "Tipton, we need you in the next room for the for a follow up meeting," and you're like, "I'll be there in a minute." No, you come right this second. Oh, like there's like three different bosses there looking over you, and you're like, uh, I, "I just can't get up right now." <laughs> Where for, for, it's one of those things in the second meeting, I would be over there mumbling something, and they'd be like, "Speak up!" and I'd be like, "My ass!" <laughs> or it's a uh, three's company scenario where they keep changing the meeting room after you've already sat down. So they're like, "Oh, the meeting got moved," and you're like, "God damn it! You got to stand up and <laughs> hobble up to the next room." Hey, uh, wait, Illinois! Now I could go get some pot if I wanted. Well, you technically I just, can't. I just can't get healthcare. You technically can't because they're out of it. Well, yeah, they ran out. But well, we have that problem up here all the time too. Fucking meth head of a state is just like, yes, we'll buy all the weed. <laughs> I mean, I just don't get how they weren't like. Didn't they know? Didn't they know how much people were going to want? Well, I mean, we're only like the twentieth state to legalize it, so it's not like they have any precedent. Or anything. I mean, yeah, there's no there's no like numbers they could go off of. It's gotta be oh, kinda Lord. difficult though, because if you get too big of an organization going, the federal government will step in and stop it, right? Well, the specific deal that Illinois signed, which I think a lot of other states did too, is that it has to be uh has to be like local local business for so many years right after they legalize it. Which I've heard there's total like a lot of the big companies are finding loopholes yeah. and shady ways and just still still getting their getting their spot, but supposedly it's supposed to be for Stop local hurt. businesses, but yeah, well. who knows. Either way, <laughs> Illinois is out of weed, so now everybody's mad because there's no weed. I'm sure there's still plenty around if you look hard enough. <laughs> Fucking the shops are going to have to start buying off of illegal dealers on the corner. That's awesome. Just the shopkeeper just goes out his own front door, buys it, and goes back in, puts it <laughs> under the counter. <laughs> I just that that meeting I was talking about this morning. It was it was literally two hours about hemp and marijuana. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. That has 
all this stuff has huge, huge implications on the stuff I do for a living. So yeah. it's fucking it's really fucking obnoxious. Isn't it still like you can't run the profits through banks down there and stuff? Or is that yeah, all? Lot of, yeah, for the most part, banks, some banks have started banking them, even though technically it's really fucking dangerous. Because if if a like so the audit we had this time, if they decided our bank was behaving in a it's kind of hard to describe. So in another country, I would say behaving unethically or something like that. But in this case, it's behaving in a way that might affect rich people's money. Yeah. No, uh, not rich people's money. Yeah, exactly. But if we behaved in a way that might affect money to affect money, they would they could come in and slap what's called an action plan on us. And if they did that, like our whole bank could collapse. It could like it could put you out of business. But if banks collapse, doesn't the government then bail them out? No, that's only if you're a big bank. Oh, okay. We're we're a normal bank. I was hoping to create a vicious cycle where the government constantly tried to shut you down and then had to bail you back out. Right. I mean, again, if we were I, if we were Wells Fargo, we could we could stand in a row and just piss on babies, and the government would be like, "Hmm, what are they doing over there?" Solid. You have to give back twenty dollars of your million dollar bonus. Shame on you. I wish I had a million dollar bonus. Too. Shit, I just wish I had a million dollars. Shit, I wish I had $10,000. $10,000 sounds like a fuckload of money. <sighs> yeah. Maybe they could heal my broken ass for $10,000. <laughs> fuck was that static sound coming around? I don't know. Everybody can hear it, right? Is it still Anybody doing it? Why? Yeah, there it goes. Really bad. Yeah, uh, it, is it the bees? Do we have bees? Ow. This this sounds more like an avalanche. Hold on. Good lord. Hold on, I'm scooting. Scooting all the things. That's usually how we fix awesome. stuff. bees off and then back on again and see if Good lord. <laughs> okay. I sure hope we're recording all this so the listeners get to hear it. We are. Let's give it. Let's yeah. give it, is it are they still buzzing? I can't hear it on my end. So. Yeah. We're good now. Yeah, for the time being. Yeah. I, I really... Think, I think I think the bees just live in my microphone cable because it seems like I just have to like shake it around and piss them off and then kind of unplug it and plug it back in. And all of a sudden they're like, now we're tired. We will go back to sleep. Weird. Uh, do you know what made, made me want to go to sleep? Was watching Ghoulies this time. Yeah. So Noah, why don't you tell us all about Ghoulies? Uh, so Ghoulies is about a dude and his lady friend uh, going back to his ancestral home, of which he knows nothing of his parents, 
and finding out that there's all sorts of crazy witchcraft shit. And then he tries to start learning magic. And then there's weird little creatures and little people and uh, angry zombie wizard. <laughs> Is that, that app yeah, description? I, I, I think I, so. I think zombie wizard. I think wizard, that's right. right? Yeah. Who is his yeah, father? So, yeah, yeah. The big reveal yeah. is zombie wizard father who has arranged him to learn <laughs> magic to accidentally bring zombie wizard back from the dead so that he could then sacrifice his own son and absorb his magic, stealing his youth and getting unzombied. Sure. Basically, so this movie's got a problem, and that problem is called the first hour of the movie. <laughs> well, yeah, I was, the is I, I was so. Yeah, I was so excited when I saw this movie. It was only an hour and 20 minutes. I was like, oh, this is going to be awesome. This is going to be a nice, quick movie. As I sent you guys a message, this is the longest hour and 20-minute movie I've ever watched in my entire life. That movie opens up with like a little bit of witchcraft. You got young people in a house, a little bit of witchcraft. We know that there's these little monster guys coming. So by the 15-minute mark, I'm expecting little monster guys causing shit in this house while these young people try to figure out what's going on. That that does not come nearly quick enough. <laughs> right. Even, I mean, even once the monsters show up, it's still like they're, they're trying to set up that weird switch at the end where the monsters betray Zombie Wizard and like try to help him out yeah. instead. But they don't spend any time doing that, and instead it's him and his girlfriend having weird, passive-aggressive discussions about him secretly doing magic during the day. <laughs> oh, Rebecca, you're home early. <laughs> which which now that I say that out loud is better than I thought it was. So I'm reversing, I'm reversing my statement. The first half of this movie is fucking brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> The thing is, it's funny when you say it. It's really not very interesting when it happens. <laughs> I, this was a rough slog to get through this whole movie, like, really. Like you said, I don't know, rethinking about it, that scene, the scene that Brian just brought up where she walks into the basement and he's wearing the full robes and he's he's holding that. So he's got a magical trident staff that straight up looks like it's spray painted cardboard we can all say that <laughs> like the, the creature effects oh. aren't bad but but that that fucking staff is like you're yeah. like did they just buy that at a fucking halloween store <laughs> not even a halloween store like a dollar store right right <laughs> and, she, and she just walks in and she's like what are you doing and he's soaking wet because he just summoned a storm and he's like oh you're home early <laughs> <laughs> Like she caught him fucking jacking off or something. <laughs> oh, you saw me spell all over myself. <laughs> you said you weren't going to do this anymore. <laughs> and, I, and I love her biggest gripe. Her biggest gripe seems to not be that he was doing magic, but that he was supposed to be working on the chores around the house. And instead he was doing magic. <laughs> well, if he'd gotten his chores done, he do whatever you wanted. That's that's reasonable. <sighs> yeah, I would say the best creatures are pretty cool, especially oh, the yeah. one who I like to call the little turd monster, the little green guy with the bald head. Yep. Uh, and, and the mutant angry cat. Also a big fan of mutant angry cat. Dude, anytime there's a monster or a little person on screen in this movie, I was pretty happy. The problem is when you add up all 
the time, it's like eight minutes out of 120. It's annoying as hell. Also, this movie is notorious for having the biggest false advertisement of all time, and that is the wee little monster in the toilet. Yeah. Yeah. Going into this, I've, I've known that poster my whole life, but I've never seen this movie. When the little monster did not bite anyone in the ass by coming out of the toilet, I was so angry. Like that's that's the whole reason this movie exists. I thought no. So there's there's like a whole story behind it of them trying to come up with poster art, and I can't remember exactly why they landed on toilet, but it was just they like came up with that image, and that image is fucking great. Like sure, if the movie was as good as that image, I'd be very happy right now. Right, and I would I would argue out of the Ghoulies franchise, Ghoulies Two is probably the best movie. Ghoulies Three is bad. Yeah, dude, I've seen Ghoulies 3, and now I've seen Ghoulies. Uh, Ghoulies 2 doesn't stand a chance. I'm not watching it. I don't care. <laughs> That's fine. You ain't got to. I won't make you. I mean, Ghoulies 3 is maybe the worst movie I've ever seen in my life, and Ghoulies No, that's stretching it. Not... I Uh-oh. once showed you a hallway filled with toothy penises. <laughs> yeah, don't worry. I'm taking that in under advisement when I make mistakes. <laughs> Uh, yeah, this is a first time watch for me too. I've never seen it. I've never seen any of the Ghoulies movies. I think it's so. One of the problems with Ghoulies is I think you have a bigger attachment to this movie if you saw it when you were a kid. Mm-hmm. Well, I think sure. it's one of those ones too. Like if you saw it once, you'd probably only remember the monsters and you'd forget how boring it was. And then years later, you would just still be talking about the monsters. But when you rewatch it, it. They're they're not a big enough part of the movie, right? My guess is this is one of Charlie Band's. Hey, I bought a mansion. We need to shoot something in it. Movies, maybe. How do I make this mansion a tax write off? I know exactly. I bought it as a prop. <laughs> so I think his entire movie career might just be a giant like pyramid fraud scheme of some kind that just to write right. off his living expenses yeah yeah because uh every movie now from the charlie band studio now that i think about it is some dude trying to summon some little creatures and or puppets and uh they're supposed to bring something back to life which then backfires and they turn on it at the end so it, it happens a lot more than you'd expect. I was going to say that's only mostly true. There's also <laughs> weird robot movies. Sure. Usually the robots turn on their masters in the same sort of way. Though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> fucking sorry, Charles. Guys, I'm adjusting my See, that's the kind of dialogue that would have punched up ghoulies and made me really appreciate the film more. I think that's the big one of the big problems with it is all the human characters are acting like they're in a movie. And it's like, you're not. You're in this. Just get over yourselves. If this movie had embraced the comedy a little more, I think I maybe wouldn't have been so bored during the human scenes and I would have appreciated the monster scenes a little more. Well, I think I expected the monsters to kill more people. Yeah, or and do they, something. And they really don't. They just sort of are there, and they're like, hey, I'm a monster. And then they just hang out till the end of the movie. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's very problematic. Like, 
I don't know why this movie's called Ghoulies. Like, you don't name your movie after a supporting character. You usually name it after the main character. I don't. Yeah, but '80s douche wizard probably wouldn't be a good title. Oh, we, we uh, I think I would watch on this that. podcast. Yeah. If this was called that, it had equal chance of being on this podcast. <laughs> so next week is '80s douche wizard and a Fred Savage movie. <laughs> Because, I mean, he most certainly is 80s douche wizard. We can all oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. agree with that. He's the douchey boyfriend from 80, every 80s movie, but for some reason he's just all of a sudden a wizard, which makes no sense. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's definitely the I'm going to try to have sex with you over a pentagram under our bed for magical reasons. Yeah. He looks Let's like that character. He he looks like the bad guy from Warlock if he got really, really into, like, Wham. (laughs) No, you guys don't get it. George Michael's awesome. Uh, What was up with that toady guy? Which guy was that? The one that would talk all weird for no reason, and I don't, I don't get it. I think that's just what they call dialogue in this movie. Yeah. I don't think it was, I don't think it was intentional. Well, they called him like a toady guy, and I didn't understand why. Then he would just talk weird and randomly tickle some girl in the movie for no reason. Well, he was supposed to be the comic relief, and the rest of us just didn't notice that he was comic relief. <laughs> I don't. I think the problem is is a lot of these uh, low-budget, low 80s-ish, um, especially off-brand movies, so like your your traumas, your full moon pictures, all, all those people were trying to – I don't like every character had to be this like unique sunflower character that, oh, look at how different this dude is. And it seems pointless throughout most of it. Like, one or two characters like that, you're like, okay, they're interesting. Yeah. I don't know. I, I kind of look at it and go, like, what they were trying to do is, like, a Friday the 13th movie. Where you've got, like, all the kind of stereotypical teenager characters. They just were really bad at it. And then they forgot to have the monsters show up constantly. Yeah, it was random. Like, hey, I think we should have a party. <laughs> And it's like, why are we going to throw a party? There's no reason to throw a party. We just bought this. We just got this house for my, I guess, biological dad dying. Well, then there's all sorts of stuff like <laughs> he makes up with his girlfriend and then like tries to fuck her over a magic circle for some fucking reason. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. and it's not really explained. He's just like, you know, we had a fight. You know, it would make that better. You know, she doesn't like magic. Maybe. I should paint a magic circle under the bed and fuck her on the magic. Well, I, I, assume, weird stuff. I assume, and I, I can't back this up with facts from the movie, but I assume that the magic was supposed to be like consuming him and like almost like kind of like Pet Cemetery. Like once you bury one thing there, you kind of keep feeling like you have to go back. I assume that's what was happening with this magic, but I don't, I don't know that. Do you guys think maybe that was the case? I don't know. <laughs> Or not. Maybe, I don't know. The movie's not really good on explanations. No. It doesn't... I even went and read, like, the Wikipedia article on it, and it doesn't help. 
It's like, it's like, like the implication is that his dad was trying to get himself brought back. So that's why he was somehow controlling the magic to make the kid want to do the magic or something. Yeah. Is that what you guys got? I don't know. Yeah, it that's, that's what I thought at the end. I thought they somewhat said that. but yeah. I mean, what it seems like is that magic is a drug. And so the drug addict dad left a baggie of cocaine in the house, hoping that his son would get addicted to the magic and then he could come steal the son's cocaine. Yeah, that's how I took it, basically. Yeah. It's a little weird. <laughs> and it, it makes every bit as much sense as your description made right there. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. This is a weird movie. That's yeah, saying a lot for Charles Band's lineup of usual stuff. <laughs> yeah, like coming from us calling it a weird movie is uh, it's, it's not a good sign. I just don't see how this kicked off a franchise. Like, no, I don't get it. No I don't get why this is a one. cult classic. I don't see, but I I disagree with you guys just a little bit that I en- I enjoy watching this film. I get that the first part's boring. But the first ninety percent is boring. That's a problem. Yeah, but it's got it's got enough little random things, and it's kind of got that charm of all of the acting is just bad enough that it it makes you giggle a little bit when they deliver their lines. That you're like, Jesus fuck. <laughs> it would have been better for strange, had- strange reasons. Well, I'm just saying because it's it's funny because you know that they're trying, and it actually probably would have been better if they just hadn't have tried at all. You make me laugh. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I, I just I, I just don't I don't understand why this movie is looked upon so fondly by the masses because it's other than the poster, I don't know what it has going for it. I I think a large portion of the success of this film is the poster. I th- I think yeah. uh, that that turd mutant in that toilet was such a draw, and so many people rented it, and so many people bought it at fucking I don't I don't know what age was that Suncoast back when Suncoast still existed. Well, this yeah. movie's old enough that when you wanted if you wanted to buy it, it would have been like ninety five dollars for the VHS. So. Right. But uh, yeah, I think I think that's it. And then I think it's, you know, it spawned the franchise. And like I said, the second one is a better it's just a better movie. It's it's still a low budget crap fest, but it's it's enjoyable in the all the ways that low budget crap fests are enjoyable. Yeah, there's lots of it, there's lots of and then they did movies and then they did Ghoulies Go to College to be like, you know what? <laughs> this is this is it. This is when we go mainstream. <laughs> Yeah, and then they shoved a guy down a toilet, and it was not good. No. Wow, there's four films in this franchise. Yeah. No. <laughs> Keep in mind, it's a Charles Band production, right? So anything can be a franchise. It doesn't have to be good. It doesn't have to make a profit. Just whatever. Jim Wynarski did the fourth one. What? Yeah. Now I gotta watch that. <laughs> I'm just saying I don't I don't recall the fourth one being good and I like all these movies (laughs) so it looks like in the second one the Julies join the circus sort of or at least the carnival 
Yeah, yeah, it's like uh, the carnival and somehow they unleash the little monsters. And to make up for it not having in the first movie, one of the monsters does, in fact, attack somebody's butt from a toilet. I should hope so. Do you know the, the tagline to this movie is like, they'll get you in the end with the picture of the guy coming out of the toilet? That's genius. I just don't understand how <laughs> nobody comes out of a toilet in this movie. It's ridiculous. So it looks like there's at least uh, uh, at least like an escape mental patient in the fourth one. That's pretty so good. So maybe there'll be something. Uh, I feel I like think... that's the kind of thing where the ghoulies will cause some shit and the mental patient will get blamed for it all. <laughs> and then he'll be the hero in the end. Is that possible? No. Uh, looks like the, the main guy from the first one comes back, but now he's a police detective. All right, I'm against it. Who must who must deal with a new pair of ghoulies? Uh, it's super oh, weird yeah, to me that the ghoulies are. That's the right. Same they changed. Movie. They completely changed the way that the the ghoulie monsters look in Ghoulies Four. It's fucking weird. Yeah, this entry in the series has been criticized by the fans of the series because the ghoulies in this film are completely different. Uh, instead of instead of the usual puppet ghoulies. The movie casts little actors in costumes. Awesome. Okay, now I want to watch it. <laughs> I'm going back and forth on Ghoulies 4 all the time here. Uh, all right. Yeah, I don't know. This may yeah, be my I... only trip into the Ghoulies franchise. Yeah, I was going to say, because I remember I remember the uh, the poster art that's the chick in leather, and then the, the two <laughs> weird little ghoulie people are hiding behind a door. Yeah. <laughs> It does sound like a Jim Wynorski poster. <laughs> yeah, let me see if I can pull up the, uh, the poster. What's it look like? Yep, that's that's exactly what Noah just described. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I remember, because I remember somebody being like, Ghoulies 4, and I was like, oh, Ghoulies 4, I like the Ghoulies franchise, and I like looked at it, and I was like, wait a minute. This is Is this like ghoulies. a munchies munchy thing? Is this where you're going to trick me into renting a kids movie? <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't think I'm a Ghoulies fan, unfortunately. No, I'm not sold on this franchise at all. I mean, you can at least admit, Doug, that Ghoulies is definitely better than Ghoulies Three. But yeah, okay. <laughs> Well, there you go. Even Noah doesn't like Ghoulies Three. That's how bad that movie is. It's... Listen, I like I like Ghoulies Three in the way that I like all Trainwreck movies. That it was so bad that you almost can't help but be entertained by how bad it is. But uh, I'll be the first one to admit that it is that is a shit fest of a movie. <laughs> Weird. Uh, well, anything else about Ghoulies before we move on? No, I don't think so. Take that as a no. Well, Doug, yeah. you, you said Munchies had a much better pace to it. Why don't you tell us about Munchies? Uh, Munchies is Gremlins, but it's produced by Roger Corman. Is that good enough, or do you guys that's, want more detail than that? That's that's pretty close. Yeah, it's a guy brings a, a guy goes to Peru to search for aliens, and he just finds one. <laughs> in an ancient cave, he just finds one, no problem. So he brings it back to California, where his his brother, who is 
I don't know how to describe his brother. He's a cartoon character. Uh, his his actress... brother, who is the greatest movie villain in history. <laughs> <laughs> Move over, yeah, he, Darth he's Vader. A, he's he's literally a cartoon character that produces beef jerky out of toxic waste, and also <laughs> also claims to have been the inventor of wine coolers. <laughs> and runs a whole bunch of different fast food places. But his real claim to fame is that he invented a mini golf course with 36 holes instead of 18. <laughs> that's that's who the that's who lives next door to him. So he kidnaps the alien and turns it over to his ridiculous cartoon character of a hippie stepson. Adopted stuff. Accidentally <laughs> chops the monster up, and that's when we learn that it can multiply by being chopped. Up. Sorry, my bad. <laughs> I didn't mean to miss that detail. Anyway, so very, import- very important to the emotional connection between the characters. Yeah. Anyways, the munchies <laughs> cause some shit. Eventually, they figure out that if you electrocute them, it turns them into stone. Mm-hmm. It, doesn't just, it doesn't just turn them into stone it turns them into very stylized Peruvian statues <laughs> yeah that's what I meant uh, yeah Munchies, Munchies is a lot of fun it's ridiculous not not it's... one dumb cop but a dumb cop and his dumb cop dad <laughs> you know if the dumb, the dumb cop at the beginning and you're like oh and then his dad shows up later in full riot gear because he was off at a convention and he borrowed the riot gear on his way back. You heard they were having problems. I like when the the dumb cop, like the young one, when he finds out there's a murder and he gets all excited and he goes to run off and then he's like, wait, where am I going? Because <laughs> he doesn't, never bothered to ask him where the murder took place. They easily convince him that uh, communists are coming to take over the um, mini golf. <laughs> place too yeah yeah why not sure i mean i think my favorite besides the fact of all the bonkers characters and stuff in this movie is the the hyper stylized nature of a lot of it like from from the neighborhood they live in which is just nothing but tilled earth and white adobe houses with odd angles (laughs) and the uh villain villain uncle who's Jesus Christ he's nothing but a, a toupee and a fake mustache which is <laughs> just fucking awesome and his weird like the checkered floor that goes up the wall and shit yep. it's uh, the, the only way I can describe the world they live in is it's a combination of like uh, the way I remember the 90s being and a Tom Petty video <laughs> Like, yeah, it's it's like if Roger Corman had produced something, but he had gotten like a young Tim Burton to direct it. That's the way I would think of it. I was going to say, and for some reason, the uh, soundtrack to uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure is always playing in the background. (laughs) Right. right. Yes. All the things you guys have said are correct. The biggest thing this movie gets right compared to the last movie, though, is just once they introduce the little monster guy, which they do right away, it's just every few minutes we go back to him. They know. They know exactly what we're here to see. We go back to the little monster. As soon as he gets turned into a bunch of little monsters, they immediately start causing shit. Mostly, you know, 
fun, non-destructive shit. Like they run people off the road, but they always run them off the road into a river. So it's kind of funny rather than actually doing anything harmful. Stuff like that. They're just like, no, we just want to watch these little monsters cause shit. That's all we want to see. That's why people liked Gremlins. Apparently the director of this is like the editor of Gremlins. You always wanted to be a director, and this is what they let him direct. <laughs> well, there's also uh, – it's got those fantastically uh, like offensive things that you wouldn't be able to get away with now, but they they even seem kind of harmless in retrospect. Like the fast food station that is apparently entirely manned by little persons with a tall person uh, – <laughs> manager who who berates them and of course the tiny monsters destroy him for it of course <laughs> anybody who gets like full on killed it usually has it coming because it's they don't want us to ever feel but i feel like we're too much against these little monsters the good thing is the monsters actually talk at least and uh they each have very distinct personalities and usually yeah. they just come on. They just comment on stuff like, "Yeah, I just want to see a bunch of naked women." <laughs> and then they break into like a video store. <laughs> so fucking weird. What about that scene where the like the teenage girl does like a burlesque dance to distract the monsters? <laughs> it's like, what the hell is going on here? And it's not this even a awesome. very. It's not a very good burlesque dance. Well, because I think <laughs> they don't necessarily want to over sexualize her because she is supposed to be like 17 17 going on 40 well yeah <laughs> they just got any actress with the same haircut as phoebe cates let's be honest <laughs> this movie couldn't be more of a gremlins ripoff if it tried i was All gonna the- say what one of the other charming things is like the acting in this movie's fucking bad it's it's real bad except for i think once again a toupee and mustache and his wife Yep. For some reason, their delivery so fucking. If everyone had been doing a delivery the way they were, of recognizing that they were living cartoon characters like Doug called oh, them. Yeah. I mean, it's Har- I, Harvey. Harvey, what's his face? Harvey Corman. Doesn't seem right. Hold on. Matter. Continue on. <sighs> I was just going to say. I think that's the only way I could see it being improved. I don't. This just, this movie is does all of the right things wrong and all the wrong things right, so it so it works out pretty well. No, Harvey, I, I was wrong. Harvey Corman is the uh, the brother. For some reason, I thought he was playing dual ro- roles in this, but no. The toupee no. and the mustache apparently fooled me enough for me watching <laughs> on my phone that I didn't realize it was a Harvey Corman who worked on the Carol Burnett show and all that shit. Oh yeah. Fucking Robert Picardo's in this fucking movie. <laughs> it's like, no, we know who you are. Why are you in this movie? It's so it's so fucking funny that I forgot about that. And then he pops up and I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> the fuck is Robert Picardo doing in Munchies? I don't remember that. Yeah, I saw this movie when I was like 10. So... Oh my god, I wish I'd seen it when I was 10. Right? This is like the perfect movie to watch as a 10-year-old. I think as a kid I might have preferred this to Gremlins because it's that much more ridiculous. Yeah, like uh, the the teenage couples having sex and he just walks in the room and crawls up through the blankets. 
Oh man, all of it. The fucking, we you know we talked about that how bad the Ghoulies for poster art is, but how great we should mention the the VHS cover art for fucking Munchies was that it's like the Munchie with his hair spiked up, wearing armor, smoking a cigar, drinking a Budweiser, and looking <laughs> up a woman's skirt. <laughs> like, Oh, like everything fantastic. you need to know about this movie is on that cover art. Yep. And unlike the uh, unlike the Ghoulies poster, this one doesn't lie. That's just a scene from the movie. Eventually, we do get them all do, doing all those things, not all at once, but we see the munchies smoking and drinking beer, or possibly wine coolers. They might be drinking the uncle's wine coolers. <laughs> <laughs> I love. And once again, it's it's one of those random fucking things. The uh, the fucking commercials, the TV commercials of the uncle and all of his various <laughs> business endeavors and politics and bullshit that like kind of uh, work as exclamation points between scenes. Do you guys don't realize this came out the same year as RoboCop, right? Which used a similar th- thing where they just cut back to the TV commercials in between scenes. Apparently, that was a trope of 1987. I choose I choose to believe that RoboCop actually ripped it off of Munchies. <laughs> <laughs> so Munchies ripped off everything from Gremlins out of that one unique thing, and then RoboCop ripped it off from them. <laughs> yes. It's awesome. I'm in favor of all that. I hope it happened. Good Lord. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Any other favorite scenes? Um, not, not everybody I'm, all wants. I, I was gonna say pretty much, the, the problem is is pretty much every second that the munchies are doing fucking dumb shit is is pretty fucking awesome. Where they <laughs> yeah. assault the two girls on the beach and basically you know you think they're gonna go out in the water and kill them, but instead like they rip off the girls' bikini <laughs> and are just like yeah. <laughs> like, that's that's the same thing too. Where we get then the guy shows up and he's like I'll take care of this. And he runs into the water with a baseball bat and you just see the munchies flying across the screen. <laughs> I don't know what he's trying to accomplish there by batting him, but yeah, I liked all that stuff. Really everything they do, everything involving the uncle or the munchies, which is like the vast majority of the movie involves one of those two things. Yeah. The, the grateful dead stoner son having the initial battle with them or like the fucking munchie basically cracks him in the back of the head with a pool ball. (laughs) The big fight in the kitchen, which is exactly another thing they ripped off from Gremlins. Yes, indeed. Except in this movie, the right, the winning team is the good guys, which is the munchies. <laughs> which is which is the thing too, because like the munchie starts out like good. And it of course, starts after, out after the dude like splits him up. Of course, that's when he turns evil. Dude, it's the cute little—it's the cute little thing that they keep in the bag, and they feed it snacks, and it talks like a human, but not quite. And then when they when it multiplies, the other ones are evil. It's <laughs> nothing. The only reason—the only reason this isn't a complete Gremlins ripoff is because at one point, when the uncle and his wife are driving, and she's reading like a newspaper. There's like it's like a tabloid she's reading, and there's a picture of one of the munchies in the back, and it says "gremlin?" question mark on it, yeah. and that's that's how you know that it's on purpose, and that it's not like they're not trying to pass this off as original. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh. 
so it's you no, know, it's not a ripoff. Then I guess that makes it a parody of Gremlins or yeah. something like that. An homage. Yeah. In other words, because I like this, I'm not calling it a ripoff. <laughs> but it is. It is like my only assumption is that Roger Corman just went like, uh, "What have you done in the past?" I was the editor on Gremlins. Well. Just do that again, please. Uh, we can't do it exactly the same. And then Roger Corman had already left the room, and he's like, oh, I don't know, let's see what we can do here. You're like, yeah, you know the the scene in Gremlins where they're being funny and doing shit? That's the entire movie. Just do yeah. that. It's, except, yeah, like... Except we don't have the budget to show them taking over a town, so the most you're going to get is a mini golf course. Yeah, you know, you know the scene where they're in the bar terrorizing the girl and smoking cigarettes and having a good time. That's pretty much it. Do that for two hours. <laughs> I'm just surprised you liked it so much. I was worried that uh, it was just going to be nostalgia factor for me since I saw it when I was ten and thought it was the greatest movie ever, and haven't seen it since then. Is the only reason I ended up liking it. I think I, I think I would like it a lot more if I had seen it when it was t- when I was ten and was rewatching it now. But I still had a great time watching it. And part of that is because I love Gremlins, and it is just a tribute to that movie. Why do we never get a sequel? I don't know. Like the movie Munchie is unrelated, right? I believe so. Yeah, yeah. Munchie Munchie is a completely different thing. Okay. It's like a kid's movie. And there's a Munchie 2. And I do know that whenever I was young and I had seen this movie, I thought it was a sequel to Munchies. And I was so excited. I got it. And I was like, what is this bullshit? (laughs) God damn it. That's rough. I wanted Smoking Gremlins, and instead I got a gnome named Norm ripoff. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's terrible. Because I almost watched Munchie by mistake when I was went to watch this. Because when I like, I was searching using the uh, Shout Factory app, and it was like, oh, look, there's something called Munchie. I almost hit play, and I'm like, wait a minute, what if I add an S to my search? Oh, look, those are two different things. Good. <laughs> that would have been a fun review. <laughs> We'd be having very different conversations. <laughs> Speaking of random distractions, have you guys ever seen a gnome named Norm? Long time ago, and I just remember yeah, being like, "Hey, yeah. it's it's the kid from Breakfast Club," and that's that's about yeah. it. It's a fucking I I don't know. I fucking, it, in some ways I like that movie, but ooh, Jesus fuck, it's bad. I have no idea what you're talking about. Uh, it was it's kind of a straight to video. Uh, buddy movie between a guy and a gnome and basically the biggest running joke of the movie is that gnomes pronounce the silent g's and things so he's a gnome named gnorm that's not funny at all it is not no and the guys that is and that is the biggest joke of the movie the guy is played by an adult uh anthony michael hall so yeah that tells you anything all right don't watch that. Check. No. Um, all right. Anything else on Munchies? Uh, it's on Tubi. 
was going to say we should mention both of these are on Tubi. Don't watch Ghoulies. Go watch Munchies. Can we just talk about fucking – I don't know what Tubi has done, but whenever I first found Tubi, it was like this shitty, shitty app that all it had was like a bunch of old crappy movies that – were edited poorly and you know off frame and stuff but i was like yeah but it's got a bunch of these movies that are kind of like old and hard to find and now all of a sudden it's like fucking netflix and it's i know and their horror movie selection while filled with a whole lot of shit also has a lot of good stuff in it yeah it's it's really a very good service now and it's like it's it's almost as good as anything else you can get and it's free yeah, you yeah. got to watch ads, but the ads aren't insufferable. No. I don't know. I had to watch a Mike Ma- Mike Bloomberg ad pretty much every break for both of these movies. It's like people aren't just sick of Donald Trump, and I was like, oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, I'm not saying you're wrong, but Jesus, every break. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MN Drive-In Pod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. All right, so we were on an extended break. I'm assuming everybody watched stuff during that break. So many things that I can't remember watching. Well, they, must, they must have been fantastic then. So we will gloss we will gloss over all of the Christmas movies that I watched since then because we were still in that season. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I did watch my my uh, New Year's Eve movie, which is Nightbreed. Watch it every year. All right. Uh, this year I did the director's cut. Okay. I don't, I think I might be the only person. I don't really have a favorite cut. I like all, like, I don't mind the theatrical cut. I like the director's cut. I like the cabal cut. Yeah. I'd have to go back and watch them all kind of together before I'm able to comment. Yeah. Well, it's, it's one of those things that the, the cabal cut does recontextualize things a little bit because it's got some scenes added that change things a little bit. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's it's Nightbreed. You love it or you hate it if you're a horror fan. So yep, yep. I'm in the I'm in the love it category and I don't understand the people who don't like it. I'm actually with you. I've never understood why people complained about the original cut. I enjoyed like the other cuts as they were released. I saw them all, and I'm like, yeah. It, 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 I think it holds up really well. Yeah, it's an it's an interesting story. There's a shit ton of monsters, and there's a crazy fucking serial killer with a terrifying fucking mask. All those things are good. Played by David Cronenberg, yeah. which makes it even better. Played by David Cronenberg, who is fucking terrifying in that movie. I don't care what anybody says. He's one of the most horrific. <laughs> killer characters of all time that weird soft spoken uh, creepiness that he has is so good well Cronenberg's a genuinely scary human being and that's all there is to it like it's just he's just naturally frightening and that soft spokenness really helps him he's like 
because you're just like, I know what you know. I know what goes on in your head. I've seen your early movies. Why are you being so polite? It's weird. <laughs> you got, you got uh, it all out. Right. I guess. Let's see. He wants everyone to think anyway. <laughs> Uh, then, against my own better judgment, I finally saw uh, Midsummer to subbite my thinking that it looked like art house trash. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I think it might be art house trash. But so my, my complaint with it is weird. So I think that it's a well shot movie. I think it's all got good visuals and stuff. And I like the depth of foreshadowing and stuff that exists if you're paying attention to all the like shit in the background and, and different little things like uh, what's his face uh, his orange juice is a little redder than everyone else's which is gross really gross if you stop and think about what that's inferring but uh, my biggest problem is so in a horror movie you usually need a character to kind of root for and there's nobody to root for. They're all pieces of shit. Like even the girlfriend who's supposed to be the quote fingers, like heroine of the the film. She's a piece of shit. I don't give a fuck about her. She's a whiny piece of shit who hates her piece of shit boyfriend who has piece of shit friends. They're all pieces of shit. I'm glad they're dead. Like Jesus. <laughs> you just let us know what you really think of the characters. No need to hold back. Well, I mean, it's a fucking problem. I I get I get what the 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 um what they were going for with it, and I just don't think they did it well because you know it's supposed to be this transformation of of the Danny character and and fuck Danny like fuck her like fuck you fucking like they it's it's one of those things where they took a, a really cool feminist idea and attempted to hammer it home and instead of uh, cementing it and representing it properly, it just comes off as douchebaggery. Like, I don't know. Yes. Yeah. It is what it is. Like I said, the vision, it's, it's worth watching it just for the visuals, but I don't, I'll never rewatch it because I don't give a fuck about the story or the people. So. See, that's a problem for me. I need to follow it. Like, especially since it's a long one, right? Isn't it like two and a half hours? Yeah, it's a long yeah. fucking movie. I, if it's just visuals, two and a half hours is way too long for me. So. Yeah, it seemed very uh, Wicker Man-ish, which I'm not a giant fan of. Well, I was, I was getting ready to say, it is very Wicker Man-ish. And if, if you're getting into, like, cult horror and you're looking for... <laughs> A movie to watch? Watch the fucking Wicker Man. <laughs> like, yeah. Just never been like in love with it. Like uh, my friend Randy, that's like his favorite movie, like ever. And I'm just like, yeah, it's all right. But yeah, so it didn't really speak to me to like run out and watch it. Yeah, it's not my it's not my favorite uh, Wicker Man. It's not my favorite movie by any means, yeah. but it's good. You know what I mean? It's a good movie with cool, creepy-ass atmosphere, and, and the ending's fucked up. So that's kind of all the things you want. Cult, cult movies got to have that real good, fucked-up-ass ending. Uh, so I watched that. Uh, <laughs> me and the lady friend started watching uh, that reality show, The Curse of Oak Island, which is about the Canadian guys trying to excavate the money pit. Have you guys watched any of that? No. No. No idea what you're talking about. 
uh, so it's uh, it's. Do you know what the money pit is? I think I've heard of it. Yeah, it's like the a thing they found. It's like an island in Nova Scotia. I think is where it's yeah, where it's at. Sounds right. Yeah, and basically, supposedly there's a treasure hidden there, and that these kids found this crazy hole that went down super fucking deep and had all these weird wood planks and all that kind of shit. And you start watching this show, and you're and you're rooting for the guys, right? Because it's a show about modern day treasure hunters who are brothers who just really want to fucking find treasure on this island, and they're spending millions and millions of dollars to do so. They basically bought three quarters of the island and you know they're buying million dollar drills and shit and you get through the first several seasons of it's got your typical uh reality tv show bait bullshit where at the every commercial break it's like oh my god what's that you know and then of course it comes back from commercial break and they're like oh nope it was just dirt on the lens of the camera (laughs) you know what i mean uh but i'll tell you what once you get to like about season four all of a sudden they actually start finding shit on that island they're finding like old spanish coins and they found some like human remains that date back to like the fucking 1600s and shit you're like oh shit this is really fucking cool (laughs) i love these guys so yeah, it's it, if you don't mind uh, reality TV bullshit, and you're interested in uh, conspiracy theories, because that's the money pit is nothing but a giant clusterfuck of, you know, people claiming that Sir Francis Bacon fucking had Shakespeare's manuscripts and gave them to the fucking Knights Templar, who gave them to the Rosicrucianists, who then you know, traveled before the age of Columbus to Nova Scotia and buried it in some kind of a super hole with simple tools, <laughs> which is, which all sounds like horse shittery to me, but there's, there's coins, there's coins down there, <laughs> which is neat. Uh, I watched all of the Witcher. Okay, how's that? Did you guys, did you guys watch it? No. No. Are either of you fans of the books or the video games or anything? Nope. Okay. Well, that explains why not. <laughs> Probably not going to watch the show either. So, show's really good. I've heard good things. Yeah, uh, it's really good. So there's there's one big problem. If you haven't read the books or played the fucking games, they don't bother to tell you that there's like weird time jumps going on, and there's three different timelines that are all three catching up to each other. And one timeline literally starts like 30 years before another one. (laughs) And between episodes, it jumps like 10 years, but they don't age up any of the fucking characters. So sounds like it needs explanation. Then it's really jarring and you don't figure it out until like the fourth episode where they finally age back some of the characters that you've seen in the future. And you're like, oh, wait. Wait, then why is this other character? Because <laughs> Dandelion, the bard, like Gerald's best friend, has been in it since the beginning. And once again, at this point, like 10 or 15 years has passed and he hasn't aged a fucking day. <laughs> like, I get the Gerald doesn't age because he's a weird magic mutant white haired man. But shouldn't shouldn't the random other guy get older? <laughs> That's my only complaint. It's really good. If you like sword and sorcery shit. 
is yeah. dope. Everyone seems to be enjoying it, but I have no knowledge of the franchise going in and just doesn't seem to appeal to me. Oh, yeah. I suppose it's one of those things you got to have a reason to watch it. I think, uh, so Cavill's fucking acting in it's fantastic. His, like, interpretation of the character is so good. But I think it's one of those things where you wouldn't realize how good it is if you haven't played the video games to be like, oh, man, he fucking nailed him from the video games, like, spot on. Uh, did that. Uh, I, I'm still on our kick of catching up on the Marvel movies. So we caught up with I'm trying to think of how long it's been. How many have we watched? We watched uh, Thor. So Thor, I remembered being disappointing. And I think on my rewatch, it's actually more disappointing. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. Thor, Thor wasn't very good. Oh, yeah. see, I also watched Thor, and I'm going to disagree with you. I, I thought it held up way better than I expected it to. Really? See, I don't, I don't think it's bad. I just don't think it's good. Like, it's not good in the way that a lot of other Marvel movies are. Like, man, fuck, that was good. <laughs> uh, I like Thor quite a bit. I like all. I like a lot of the. I think a lot of the humor works in it. The action's pretty good. The visuals, I think, are fantastic. I enjoyed Thor when it came out. The only real issue I've ever had with it is the uh, fish out of water aspect of it. Like, I was kind of more excited to see more about Asgard and that kind of stuff. And instead we get Thor, like, stuck on Earth, throwing shit around because he doesn't know any better type stuff. See, I enjoyed that. That's the humor I enjoyed, though. I liked the fact that he's like, when he's in the bar and he just throws the thing on the ground, he's like, I meant no disrespect. But he just threw his drink on the ground for no reason. I found that quite funny. And a lot of that is Hemsworth's performance and the way he's playing off all the other people who are much more kind of yeah. straight. It's like a whole whole bunch of straight men to the one comedy guy, which I thought worked pretty well. Yeah. I just, I, I feel like maybe Thor's arc would have been better is if the first movie they had done the thing in the comic books where uh, he doesn't know he's Thor, you know what I mean? And has to discover that he's Thor. And then the second movie could have explored Asgard. Cause instead I feel like you start off in Asgard with all these crazy visuals and you've got fucking Idris Elba wearing fucking gold armor, fucking shit up. And you're like, yeah. And then they're like, okay, well now He's going to be in jeans and hanging out with Natalie Portman for an hour and a half. And you're like, what the fuck? I don't give a shit about any of this anymore. <laughs> I would have been I would have been good with the uh, ultimate universe explanation, too, where there's a question if he's actually Thor or if he's just a crazy person who thinks he's Thor and has technology to make give him Thor powers. Like I would have been would have found some interpretation of that interesting, too. And again, I don't think the movie is horrible. I, I enjoy it. It's just, I feel like, like, there, like I there's said, better ways they could have introduced them. Yeah, it's not it's not a bad movie. It's just nowhere near as good as other Marvel stuff is. Which I feel like is a fair criticism, whatever it's in its own. Yeah, no, it's uh, comparing it to the other Marvel films is a fair way to approach it. But right. considering it followed up Iron Man 2, I think it we saw what happened with Iron Man 2 where they tried to do too much and I appreciate the fact that with Thor they just simplified the storyline and just gave us this sort of humanizing tale of this godlike character 
I was going to say, see, I don't know, but I remembered being disappointed with Iron Man 2 and on rewatching it. I was like, okay, no, it was way more solid than I thought it was. Like, it's got a lot of shit going on in it, but... And it's just over stuff. Like, that's what I thought on my rewatch. I I rewatched a bunch of Marvel movies, too, so we'll get to them. But, yeah, like, when I was watching Iron Man 2, my take was it's just over stuff. They don't... They're still trying to figure out how to tell an individual story that's part of the bigger universe and how to mix in the, the, the multiple universe stuff. Right. I wish they would have, I wish they would have picked between hammer and uh, uh, crimson dynamo and just went with one or the other. Yeah. I mean, that's part of it. I mean, I also think it suffers from the fact that it just, every time they make an Iron Man movie, it just ends up being him versus a bunch of machines flying at him because that's, the logical villain and i think you just kind of go well we saw that in the first one and i agree with that and the craziest thing is they had the chance to do the mandarin who is the perfect complement to iron man because it's like the difference between uh somebody who's brilliant creating technology to change the world and somebody who has access to well, quote fingers magic, magic, which is actually just technology that they don't understand and that they didn't create and and corrupting it to their own uses. You know what I mean? Yeah, I like I like that the mystical Mandarin thing versus the technology in Iron Man dynamic. It's always been really good in the comics. And the fact mm-hmm. that they pissed it away and turned it into a joke in the third movie was a little irritating. Yeah. Yeah, Iron Man 3 is kind of the low point of the MCU from my perspective. It really is. It's bad. Yeah, well, when I when I get to it on my rewatch, I'll discuss it further, but my memory of it is not strong. I've only seen it once in theaters. The the best part of it is uh uh why can't I remember his name? Kingston? Is his name? Kingsley. Kingsley. Thank you. Ben Kingsley. Like when he's when he's fake Mandarin, he's super entertaining. Like I like all of his weird terrorist speeches. The yeah. fortune cookie speech is one of the best fucking things ever. And the fact that it's sandwiched into a shit movie, like is is up is even more upsetting that that they wasted such a great thing. Yeah. We'll see. They're bringing Mandarin back in another one upcoming movies. So. That's what they're saying. I wonder. I wonder if they're gonna. So the sh, you know that short implies that uh, the Mandarin might steal Kingsley's body and uh, make yeah. him to the new Mandarin. So maybe he'll show back up and actually be the Mandarin, which would be cool. Yeah. See how they handle it. Yeah. So in addition to Thor, also watched Captain America: The First Avenger, which. Still holds up. It's pretty good. Uh, I I think they they did waste the villain a little bit. Like Red Skull, they just yeah they they added so much stuffing into the beginning of the movie of Steve Rogers wandering around and doing dumb shit like uh, the him in the the cabaret show and shit and him trying to get into the army and all that, which is which is all good stuff. But I feel like it could have been done in a shorter period of time. And you would have had more time to develop uh, the Red Skull as a villain and made him better instead of just a spooky dude with a German accent. Yeah, I agree with what you're saying. The only concern I would have is 
knowing what that their plan was to make Captain America the sort of focal point of the Avengers, which was the next movie, I think they kind of had to really establish that character. And that's why they really wanted you to get to know his personality and stuff at the beginning and really understand him. I suppose so. See, but once again, I think they could have done that and maybe had uh, Red Skull be a background character and just yeah. brought in one of the other random Nazi bad guys because there's like 200 of them. Yeah, I mean, the thing to do would have been almost to not use Red Skull in this movie and had him show up, use him later in one of the sequels or something. Right. But I, I don't know how you do that exactly, but it's, he, he does feel underserved for sure. Yeah, and once again, it's Hugo Hugo Weaving, and they pissed him away. Yeah. I mean, that that was the, the knock on the MCU at, in the first stages was that the villains were just not properly utilized, not properly developed, right? I I will give – got to give uh, old Disney and Marvel credit for one thing. Man, fuck, they, they did a good job of improving with time instead of getting worse. Yep. Yeah, I would agree with them. I, I feel like with the exception of that weird the year of the dip, <laughs> you know what I mean? Where like they made Iron Man 3 and everybody was like, uh, no. And then they made Thor Dark World and everybody's like, seriously, fucking cut it out. <laughs> <laughs> but then they came back in strong. Yeah. Uh, my only hope is going forward that we'll get back to making – very uh, different toned movies because they were doing that, doing a really good job of that for a while, and then leading into you know setting up Avengers: Infinity War and all that shit. I feel like all the movies, all the tones of the movies became very samey. Yeah, and, kind of post Guardians of the Galaxy is when that sort of yeah. took over. Because like Winter Soldier is like a great like political thriller, and yeah, they it had, is. Guardians. I was going to say, no matter what anybody says, Winter Soldier is the best Marvel movie that has been made. I don't yeah. give a fuck. Like it's it's better than Endgame. I would watch Winter Soldier before I watch Endgame. Yeah, yeah, I would they're very different that. movies, though. Right. Yeah. Um. So I hope we get kind of get back to stuff like that, where you know you can have a different feeling for each movie and not have to worry about, well, is this all going to feel like it's in the same universe going into the big crossover movie and worrying about that. I was going to say, one of the interesting things is with like the news of the Dr. Strange, uh, two director pulling out and stuff yeah. and a bunch of rumors that basically Marvel's getting cold feet about going with a horror tone for that stuff. Yeah. And then them turning around and all of a sudden deciding to release the new mutants. I, yeah. I think that's, that's them testing the water. And being like, hey, you know what we could do? <laughs> we could put this out, and then we could put out feelers for mutants and uh, horror stuff without, you know, because they could turn around and be like, well, we that was made before we bought them. We just released it so that people could see it, you yeah. know, what I mean? instead yeah. of it part of the universe. Yeah, it's, it's pretty much a win no matter what happens with that movie. Right, right. It, it does them, bad. Anyway. They yeah. don't lose anything. It does good. They can claim credit for it. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm assuming you guys saw the trailer for Morbius. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's a pretty good trailer. 
Are we all super confused about how it ties in, though? Are we worried that Sony is trying to trick us into thinking it's in the MCU when it's not? Well, so there's there's two really weird things about the tie-ins. So the, the Michael Keaton tie-ins, fine. <coughs> it, it, even if they use Vulture, there's that whole thing that technically Sony has the right to use any side characters they want in anything they want. Yeah. Uh, it was just the original deal. They couldn't put Spider-Man in stuff, which apparently that's been resolved. But then the the poster that he runs by, there's two weird things about it. Number one, that is very literally a screen cap from the PS4 game. <laughs> not not from anything in the movies. And two, the suit that he's in is the fucking Tobey Maguire suit, which is weird. So yeah. there's a lot of weird mixed messages right there. <laughs> but I don't know how weird that is, like, they do that sometimes when they're the picture of the character is more comic booky or whatever than the actual character is. It's not meant to be a photograph, right? No, it looks like it's supposed to be graffiti. Yeah. yeah. So they just that could just be a like a, a fun little reference to a to the video game or whatever by putting them in that suit and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I don't, and people are reading too much into that. I don't know. And the big thing is, so I, w- I was worried about this trailer because once I like this character a lot <laughs> and I don't want him to fuck it up. But it might it looks a lot like Sony might have learned some fucking lessons from Venom about the stuff that people got a little irritated about. You know what I mean? That they didn't commit to a tone that they like tried to make it too fucking goofy for no fucking reason. And, and it looks like they're not doing that with Morbius, which I appreciate. Yeah, uh, hopefully. I could, to be 100% honest, I hope that, that Morbius does a fucking bajillion dollars and that Disney has to rethink everything and make a new deal so that they can just connect to everything and then we can get a Midnight Suns movie. Yeah, and that would be fucking awesome. I don't see, again, I'm really nervous about Disney having to connect into this other universe. I don't have faith in it working out. I'd almost rather Morpheus, Morpheus fails miserably and then Disney gets to make their own version of it in a couple of years. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. I think I think Sony's got enough uh, capital on their hands that they're not going to fold like Fox did. Yeah. So interestingly, uh, interestingly enough, uh, J.K. Simmons is listed in the cast as J. Jonah Jameson. Uh, in Morbius? Yeah. Yeah, see, once okay. again, that... That looks an awful lot like they're, uh, but I suppose when it was being made, basically Spider-Man's exit had already been arranged. So I don't know if maybe now it's just a too late thing. They already put all this shit in the movie and they can't backpedal on it. Mm. Looks interesting. I'm not completely sold on it. Well, I mean, I'll take another, you know, when it gets closer to release, take another trailer or just see how I feel about it. But yeah, could be good. Could be bad. Who knows? Right. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I, like I said, I I think it looks good, and I think it looks like a pretty, at least visually, it's a pretty faithful adaptation of the character. It looks like they they took some liberties, but I mean they've done that with every character in every movie, including the Marvel ones. So I don't have problems with that necessarily. I don't think. Yeah. yeah. Uh, did you guys see the second Black Widow trailer? Uh, no. 
Yeah, me neither. Yeah, no. I, I didn't even know there was one until I was scrolling through YouTube today, and I was like, wait, there's another Black Widow trailer that came out a couple days ago? There's there's a whole bunch. There's a whole bunch more tax, Taskmaster in the second trailer. Yeah. And it, it actually, it looks a little better because you actually see him in action a little bit, and you're like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I used to really like the Taskmaster character, so I'm kind of excited to see what they do with him. Right. In in the trailer, there's a great Taskmaster moment of something happens, and basically uh, him and Black Widow kind of do the exact same motion at the exact same time, you know what I mean? Inferring yeah. his, his ability to calculate and then mimic people perfectly. Yeah. So that's pretty exciting. And of course, even more of uh, <laughs> of what's his face is a fucking uh, Red Guardian, which is awesome. Yeah, I have, I have faith in that movie to be good. So, oh, it's gonna be it's gonna be real good. Yeah, looking forward to that one. The the only thing I worry about is the the part in the trailer where she's wearing the like all white, and you kind of see her do the superhero landing thing. That looks real fucking GI Joe-ish, and I fucking hate those movies. <laughs> I think she's. Aww. I think she just has to go fight in the snow, so she has to put on her white outfit. That's all I think. Maybe. I like liked, you said, I liked the second GI Joe. It was okay. GI Joe's movies are such a missed opportunity. Oh, I agree like, with that. Like, look at look at all the characters you have, and look what you could do with them. And then they make generic movies out of it. It's like, well, it's just fucking make good movies instead. Just take, go grab some of the comics and make them. Or just remake the cartoon movie, which was awesome. I'm, I'm all in favor of uh, Doug becoming a mute movie executive. And his entire job is to walk in halfway through a meeting where they're all discussing stuff and just go, hey, hey. How about you make a good movie instead? <laughs> and Seriously, then just though, walks, like, and then he just, just throws something and walks back out. Just grab one of the hundreds of existing stories and make that, rather than trying to come up with something new. And instead of coming up with something new, coming up with something completely generic. What's the point of that? Well, what if we make Cobra Commander? No, no. Just no, give him a, a mirror face mask. You're done. Yeah. Just fucking stop. You guys want to know the backstory of a character? You go buy the car- buy the toy, and you read the back of the box. It comes with that little card. It tells you his whole backstory. That's all you need to fucking know. I stop writing shit. All I'm imagining is Doug is the coach from Letter Kenny walking in and kicking a trash can and, and going, "It's fucking embarrassing." <laughs> That's what I would be like as a movie executive. Like, who here has a great idea? Yeah, get the fuck out. <laughs> Go take your great ideas to somewhere where they're making original movies. If you're making something based on an existing property, that property is popular for a reason. Don't try to change it. Right. But what if there was a girl ninja turtle? No, just. (laughs) (laughs) All right. That girl ninja comment has me a little upset. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. I'm trying to think. I was I was going to go see Underwater, and then yeah. I decided against it because pretty much I haven't seen a single 
anybody say it was good. Oh, see, I've been hearing really good things about it. Really? Every, I've everybody I've things. heard said they they said it's it's edited really badly and it's boring and weird. And... We watched Ghoulies today, Noah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like I said, I'll still... I'll still watch it. I personally, I think it just looks like a Deep Star 6 remake. Yes. <laughs> yes. And I like, somebody, I, like, I like Deep Star 6. So. so Somebody from Shockwaves posted on Instagram the cover of Deep Star 6, and it says, you remember watching this movie and how you didn't get anything from this cover? Like, you didn't get a payoff? Well, underwater, you finally get a payoff for Deep Star 6. I was like, oh, all right, interesting. I'm curious. It's a compliment. See, I don't, but it, they look like evil mermaid things, not horrible crab monsters. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I like, I like how that's how nitpicky you're getting. <laughs> I'm, t- I'm just saying, they're different monsters. Fair enough. I don't understand how the payoff could pass. I don't know. I'll go, like I said, I'll go see it eventually. Oh, that, that's another one. I went. Did we talk about Knives Out last time? No. I don't, I don't think we did. I think that was last, after we... Or last last time was two and a half years ago, so no That's, that's what I'm saying. It's been a long time. So I did go see Knives Out, which is a... Your stereotypical, like, uh, murder mystery kind of thing. It was good. Really good. So all the acting was interesting, and I think from a movie perspective, it was really good. I think the only thing that pissed me off about it is it's a mystery movie, and there's a rule in mystery books and in mystery films where the audience should be able to solve the mystery. If that makes sense, do you know what I mean? Like you should. That's that's part of the fun of them is trying to to solve it. But I I feel like the movie cheats and it lies to you about what you're trying to solve. <laughs> And so at the very end of the movie, they're like, no, there's this other thing. And you're like, well, I, I wasn't paying attention to any of that stuff because that's not that was not the plot of this fucking movie, you assholes. You, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, but besides that, it was good. The acting was really good. Yeah, it's got a fantastic cast. I've been wanting to see it. I just haven't gone out to see it yet. Maybe I'll do that on Monday because I have the day off work. It really does. The, the weirdest thing is... Uh, Fuck, I'm so bad with actors' name. Daniel Craig, is that his name? Yeah. James, James Bond? Yeah. Uh, he d- he is <laughs> doing that new... Stop it, cat. He is doing that uh, New Orleans Southern Gentleman accent through the whole movie. Yeah. That, that my name is Anton Dubois accent. And you're like, what in the fuck is going on, Daniel Craig? <laughs> It's jarring. You're like, I know what you sound like in every other fucking movie. Why are you doing a weird accent in one movie? <laughs> well, the funny thing is, I saw somebody posted a screenshot of uh, Ryan Johnson's Twitter. And someone floated him the suggestion that, like, because he's interested in making another movie with that character. Not necessarily a sequel to this movie, but just another Right, right, you know, right. Mystery with this inspector or whatever. And someone floated them the idea on Twitter, like, you should, he should come back as that character, but be, be doing a completely different ass, uh, accent 
and it's never explained why. <laughs> she just got a Scottish accent all yeah. of a sudden. And Rian Johnson replied with, oh my God, that's totally what I want to do now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So I was like, that sounds fantastic. You should definitely do that. Uh, anything else? Uh, I think those are the only ones that we need to talk about. Like I said, I, I watched a bunch of other yeah. shit, but it's all rewatchy bullshit. So, What about you, Doug? Uh, let's see here. Well, I already alluded to it. Uh, you guys remember when I said I was going to watch like one Avengers movie a week until yeah. I rewatched the entire thing? Yeah, I tripped and watched the entire phase one since last time we talked. <laughs> so... So that's why I was able to keep up with Noah there to discuss <laughs> Thor and Gethrick. I, I think it phase one holds up really well, way better than I kind of anticipated. The only thing um, I'm really worried about is hitting Avengers when Captain America is kind of wearing that goofy Captain America suit. It is a, it is a bit overly colorful, but I, I don't I mind. It. I like the comic book suit. Yeah. Yeah, it's all right. I think I really just like the... Uh, the uh, the updated one, like the, Winter Soldier. Yeah, yeah, even that one, but like the practical suit from Captain America First Avenger, where if you look at the suit, you're like, oh, okay, everything on the suit, like it makes sense why it is where it is. Yeah. And they, and they kind of go back to that, you know, in Winter Soldier, and then he kind of keeps a little aspect of that going forward. Um. Yeah, it is explained in Avengers, though, they have Coulson commenting on how he's, like, a huge fan of, like, the old comics, yeah. and then that's yeah. why he helped design the suit and stuff, which I which I like. Sure, I, sure. I totally get it. I just, sometimes visually, I'm like, ah, that suit's not as cool as, it, <laughs> as he's going to end up wearing later. Yeah. The thing I love about watching Avengers, I always think back to, like, going into theaters in 2012 and being like, how are they going to balance all of these characters? And then now having seen Infinity <laughs> War and Endgame, it's like, <laughs> it seems so quaint. Oh. It's like there's four superheroes in this movie. Can you believe it? All four of them? Simpler times. On, on your left, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. Uh. But yeah, it, I mean, the movies hold up really well. They're all super fun. Even, uh, like, Incredible Hulk, which is the one that people kind of dismiss mm-hmm. because, obviously, people like the newer version of the Hulk. But I think it holds up really well. I think, like, Norton was a good choice for the role they were doing. It was a different tone than what they went with later. But that's not a bad thing. I'm just glad it wasn't an origin story. Yeah. It's like, it's like everybody knows, Hulk's Hulk. We can just do a quick, like, thing during the credits that sort of explains it but just visually and then we can move on he's hulk people are after him i thought it was really interesting that uh that movie makes him he's he's the tv version of hulk instead of the comic book version which is bizarre (laughs) and because technically i mean that's still in continuity so so we have david banner hulk running around (laughs) yeah but yeah, it's I I don't know. I, if you, if you're considering rewatching the Marvel movies, I would say do it. They seem to be they seem to hold up really well. Iron Man blew my mind when I watched it because I haven't seen it in years, yeah. and I was just like, "Holy shit, this movie's great!" Yeah, like, we, no wonder, we were no wonder they made twenty three sequels. We were do we were gonna do that thing where you watch like uh, a Marvel movie a week, 
leading up to when Endgame was coming out and that <laughs> stuff. And we got like four movies in and then never finished it. So yeah. We'll watch one a week until the next one comes out, except there aren't enough weeks, so it's problematic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, so I remember, like, yeah, Iron Man, like, coming out of the cave and stuff for the first time in the full suit. Like, mm-hmm. I, I still got goosebumps, like, when I watch that and the fucking song kicks in and, yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's so badass. And, like, Robert Downey Jr. is just, like, in that role, he's just perfect in that first movie where you're, you're not, like, you don't know him yet. It's, and you, you're, like, when in the later movies the character has sort of developed right mm-hmm. but just walking into that movie and i love they do a really good job of walking that line where it's like kind of like pg-13 ish where they they hint at him being like a womanizer and stuff without going so far as to make it not be fun and i don't know they yeah. really nailed it <laughs> yeah and I, I like i love even like pre uh kidnapping like he's like just riding around with those pictures and <laughs> And he's yeah. like, can I take a picture? And he's like, yes. Yes, that would be awesome if you could take a picture. Dude throws out the peace sign. He's like, no gang signs. I'm just like, this <laughs> no. is so fantastic. <laughs> I think my favorite part about watching the first Iron Man is seeing Rhodey pop up and just kind of like in the back of my head being like, <laughs> you stupid fuck. <laughs> <laughs> All you had uh, to do was say yes to the giant pile of money you were getting and not demanding an even more giant pile of money and you right? could have been a part of all this. Yeah. Uh, Oops. Let's say what else did you say? <laughs> well, he ended up on Empire. I'm sure he made a lot of money off that too. Yeah. He, did, he didn't make that Disney money. <laughs> Although I'm kind of glad they recast. I do sort of prefer Cheadle on the role, I think. But Well, yeah. I mean, Don Cheadle's a better actor. Yeah. Terrence Howard's good and the relationship between him and Tony Stark in that first movie is it's pretty solid. You see them on the plane together drinking and stuff. I like it all. I do like the where he's like, I'm not drinking, I'm on duty, and then the next thing it shows is hip smashed. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic stuff. It's it's really fun. I like the scenes where he's a. Uh, Iron Man's doing his first couple of attacks and he's like calling Brody on the phone and he's like, you gotta call these guys off that that thing, that's me and they're like, he's like, that's your tech? no, 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 it's, it's me I, it's literally me flying beside these planes tell them to stop shooting yeah. at me it's, he goes, it's a suit, it's a suit I'm in the suit <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know I, I love the Marvel movies, I'm super happy I started rewatching them yeah for the next, yeah, maybe by next week I'll have Phase Two rewatched, and then we can kind of discuss that. <laughs> Probably not. Phase uh, Phase Two is the weak link. No, we'll see. See how it goes. It's, it's still got good movies on it. It's just. And I watched part of Age Voltron on TV not too long ago, and I'm like, this is better than I remember it being. I think I like this movie. So, looking forward to leading up to that. Yeah, I, I'm kind of I'm excited that they moved WandaVision up, but I really I really need to see one of these new Marvel shows because it's making me anxious. <laughs> I don't know, after Mandalorian, I'm just convinced that whatever's going to come out is going to be great on Disney Plus. So. See, I th- I think so, but at the same time, I feel like like Sebastian Stan 
deserves his own movie. I don't get why they gave him a a fucking TV series. And stuff. I don't. I don't think it's a. I don't think it's a criticism to give him a TV series anymore, though, right? Today's day and age, it's like, yeah, there might be a little bit more money in movies, but there's just as much prestige comes along with getting your own show. Uh, see, I I agree with that in general, right? So being in a random movie and being on like an HBO show are probably about equally as good. But if we're talking about like Disney being in a, a giant fucking bajillion dollar budget Marvel movie is a far cry from being in a kind of expensive Marvel TV show. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. But like, I feel like like looking at the fact that Kenobi is going directly to Disney Plus, I'm sure that you McGregor could have said, "I'm not doing it unless it's a movie," and they would have made the movie, right? But I think you just you do whatever is going to work for the story you want to tell, and that's how it's going to be now. Yeah, it'll be all right. We'll see. I just like I said, I just want to see one. I especially want to see WandaVision just because I feel like WandaVision might cause drastic changes to the MCU from a from a TV show and I feel I don't know how fans will react to by Disney Plus or you won't necessarily understand what's going on in the next movie. Yeah, I suspect that they'll be able to walk that line good enough. They seem to have in the past, right? They've managed to tie in all the movies without making it so that the casual fans won't enjoy the movies if they don't see them all. They seem to know what they're doing. Right, but the way they've traditionally got around that with the TV shows is by making the, uh, I don't know what the best way to say it, the one-way continuity. The movies affect the shows, but the shows don't really affect the movies. Yeah. But. Yeah, but that was the old TV shows that was under a different uh, studio. Like a different, like somebody else was in charge of it, whereas Kevin Feige is still going to be in charge of all this shit, from what I understand. I liked, I liked the news that supposedly we're going to get season three of The Punisher on Hulu. See how that goes. I don't know. It, I liked the versions of the uh, Netflix characters that they created, so <laughs> I have no problem with them bringing him in. I'll, I'll tell you what. I'm, I'm not usually like it's backbiting in Hollywood's a, a normal fucking thing but it sounds an awful lot like a few of the Marvel executives have come out and they've said you know what we liked the Netflix guys and basically we want to do something with them we just don't know what but every time they say that the numbers always add up and they're basically going except for the actor who played Iron Fist fuck him <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> That's my, that might as well be what they say. You know what I mean? They're like, yeah, Daredevil and Jessica Jones and uh, Luke Cage and Punisher. And that's it. Those are, those are all of them. <laughs> Start listing up side characters from uh, Iron Fist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Connie Wing. <laughs> Knight. Yeah, that's everybody. I don't know. I, I don't know what their their plan is, though, because I, it's supposedly there's 
And uh, once again, they're rumors, so who knows if they're true. But it sounds an awful lot like there's a good chance that Iron Fist is showing up in uh, Shang-Chi. But I don't know if they have it all planned out yet. I think they're still working on those details. Right. I think I, I do think they they have to do it all or nothing, right? Either everything that happened on Netflix is part of the MCU or it's not. And I don't know that there's any way to do it halfway. Yeah, yeah I, don't, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what their plan is. Unless they start doing multiple universes and then they can just have the fucking Punisher and Daredevil fall through a portal and land in the MCU and problem solved. But I almost see I almost wish that's what Sony's going to do. That Spider-Man's going to start showing up in those movies, but they're going to be like, yeah, but that's not that Spider-Man. Sure, he's the same Spider-Man, but he's the same Spider-Man in an alternate world. <laughs> well, I, I think that the implication is that that might happen, that that right. might be Marvel's next movie will end with him literally like swinging out of the cinematic universe into their other one. <laughs> Just his color palette changes as he crosses the screen or something. <laughs> And we've seen with, like, Into the Spider-Verse that audiences will accept that idea of people crossing over to dimensions and stuff. So. Yeah. I just love that Tom Holland has gotten behind this idea of him doing a Spider-Verse movie with Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield. I'm in favor of it, as long as they put in the 60s cartoon Spider-Man. <laughs> That's a, another thing I've been watching is my kid discovered uh, Disney Plus, so I've been watching the 1981 Spider-Man series, which I don't think i've ever seen before uh spider-man and friends no just spider-man but it's like the year before spider-man and friends came out oh okay yeah Yeah. and it's it's surprisingly good it's it's almost like a an early try at the mcu they added like like uh magneto shows up for an episode and there's like captain america episode (laughs) it's kind of fun i was gonna say i always thought it felt very much like it's uh scooby-doo but Spider-Man. Yeah. Yeah. And instead of the Globetrotters, they're like, it's Magneto. It's kind of like that. Yeah. It's just standalone stories with like very low level comedy. Superman shows up in one episode. It's kind of funny. He's like, Spider-Man's looking for a payphone and there's just this guy that looks exactly like Superman. who's in the booth and he's like, where have I seen that guy before? It's kind of entertaining. It's nice. not as it's it's not as good as the '90s Spider-Man c- cartoon. That one's the best. Yeah, I gotta I gotta watch that one, but I'll get to it. All right, what else you got? Yes. To- uh, let's see. I watched the new movie called uh, Freaks, mm-hmm. starring Emil Hirsch, and uh, who else was in that? No idea. Oh, Bruce Stern was in it. You guys heard of you guys? I've heard of it. I've seen people posting about it, but I haven't seen it. Yeah, it was actually it was a really good movie. Um, it's, it's so it starts with like it's just this little girl who is like being locked in the house by her dad, and you think he's just paranoid, and you start to realize she has like powers, and they kind of gradually expand out and show you that they live in a world where. Um, Basically, people with powers are being removed from society by the government and either killed or put into detention centers. And so her dad has, like, got her locked in this house to protect her. 
and he won't ever let her outside and stuff. And it, it's, I don't want to spoil all the twists it goes through, but it ends up being, as as more and more gets explained, you realize like different people have different powers. And you find out that the neighbors are trying to report them and all this other kind of stuff. It's very very interesting, uh, and it kind of just as it as the explanations grow so does the level of what we see their powers are capable of doing so it kind of starts off as this like really small movie it ends as like a much bigger superhero type movie and uh yeah solid performances interesting storytelling it's, it's a recommend it's just it's hard to discuss without spoiling it so if one of you guys could watch it then we can discuss it <laughs> it'd be easier <laughs> but yeah it's like basically it's the story kind of kicks off with the little girl manages to get outside and she's uh, trying to get ice cream and it ends up being like she meets up with the Bruce Dern character who's her grandfather and he's encouraging her to use her powers as opposed to hiding and we end up coming to learn why that is but it's uh, it's, it's really interesting I'd, I'd, I'd recommend it if you're a fan of that type of thing Kind of like a superhero thriller. Um, then I finally saw A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, which is wow. the Tom Hanks stars as Mr. Rogers. Still haven't had a chance to see it yet. Yeah. It was amazing. So it's not like a Mr. Rogers biopic, which is kind of what I was anticipating. Yeah. It's more like the stories about this writer. He's like, he writes for a GQ magazine or Esquire magazine or one of those types of things. And he's assigned to do like a little puff piece on Mr. Rogers. And he's supposed to, they're like, I think the true story is he was supposed to do like 400 words on why Mr. Rogers is a hero. And he like, didn't want to do it. Cause he's like, I don't want to write this little puff piece. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a journalist, you know? And, uh, he ends up turning in like 10,000 words on how great Mr. Rogers is. Cause he, meets him and Mr. Rogers has this huge impact on his life but it's a really neat way to tell the story because like you don't learn about Mr. Rogers by you don't learn all the facts of his life you just see the way he impacts the people around him and it's really it's really touching um yeah like really heartfelt I the performance from Tom Hanks is outstanding it really felt like you were seeing Mr. Rogers do these things um, so it's just, I don't know, it's, it's hard to explain, but it's, you really, you see the way he, the other characters' lives are improved by interacting with him, and that t- tells you what you need to know about him, rather than following him and having his story be told, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard it's a very uplifting film, like you'll feel a lot better about yourself after watching it, as in just everything so shitty now it's like yeah go remind yourself that there are super awesome people in this world and yeah you know, we don't celebrate them nearly as much as we should yeah it's also it, everything you just said is true but it's also kind of a funny movie because you do get these scenes of like mr rogers like you've heard the stories where he's like he just would focus in on people and ignore what he was supposed to be doing because he was busy talking to someone else. And so you get like uh, his wife and his manager trying to like 
use different tricks to get him to like walk away from a crowd of kids because he just would never leave voluntarily. And you get like they're like there's scenes where they show up and they're like, "How late are we?" They're like 37 minutes off schedule. And then you just see it's just Mr. Rogers talking to some kid who's like a Make-A-Wish kid or whatever that's on set, and he just won't stop talking to him. And that that's sort of how you get introduced to the character. They don't say it. You just have to be watching the movie and feel it all. Yeah. So it's, it's really good. And, that's, and you also get like just humorous scenes of like where he's talking to the puppets and he treats the puppets like they're human beings and he expects other people to as well. And, you know, it's, uh, it's extremely well done. It's everything you want it to be. Yeah. That's good. It's, I still need to go check it out. Yeah. It's, it's, that, I mean, after watching the documentary, like I, it just felt fantastic after watching it. And of course, crying my eyes out because I'm just like, we need you, Mr. Rogers. Everything's terrible now. <laughs> I know. <laughs> that documentary just, I still remember that when they finally clipped to the Fox news guys, bad mouthing Mr. Rogers for having the nerve to tell kids that they should respect themselves. And I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> so yeah this movie doesn't do that there's no Fox News in this movie oh good (coughs) so yeah um, those are both huge recommends the other thing I've watched uh, (laughs) the way you set this up doesn't sound like it's going to be a recommend well it's it's 50-50 it's uh, I watched the Dracula series that's on Netflix which was originally Ah. produced by the BBC I watched this too, yeah. Yeah, okay. So, uh, it started off, I did not like the opening scenes at all. Then I started to really like it. Okay. And then uh, episode two was the movie I've been wanting to see for a long time. Mm -hmm. And then episode three is something else, and we'll have to discuss it. (laughs) But yeah, so for people who haven't seen it... Sounds like like we're on the same page. It's like it, it's hour and a half long episodes, so basically three movies. Uh, the first one is all about Jonathan Harker in the castle, basically with Dracula, and it's told from the point of view of Jonathan Harker telling the story to the nuns that rescue him. Uh, and that was I, the opening parts where Dracula was old. I was really nervous going in because I was like, did not like the actress' performance as the old man Dracula. <laughs> and he kept repeating lines from previous Dracula movies and I'm like don't remind me of all the people (laughs) who have done this better than you (laughs) they've all done it so much better than you don't but luckily he doesn't stay that way very long and I I really dug the version of the character when he gets kind of into his youthful form I thought that was really well done and especially it's uh, at the end of that episode when he's confronting the nuns and he's just being flat out intimidating and scary as shit and I was really dug it yeah I'd agree so yeah um I also thought they did a really good job of kind of it stayed true to the the original story pretty much and the the changes they made I thought were pretty good yeah I don't like they they changed it up enough that if if you've seen every Dracula thing out there you're not going to know exactly what's coming but it still feels sort of true to the original tale (laughs) Anyways, yeah, I, I was I very happy with that, very happy with it by the end of the of week of episode one. Mm-hmm. Episode two, which takes place, it's 
takes place entirely on the Demeter on the trip over to London. Yeah. And I've been wanting a movie about that like forever. I've like that's something that I've I've always been curious about. And I think they did a really good job of nailing it. Mm-hmm. So they've sort of got like all the the people kind of all turning on each other trying to figure out what's going on and I really liked it's I guess it's kind of a spoiler, but I really liked the twist where they reveal that Dracula kind of got all of these people on board as sort of like a test for himself to see if he could avoid eating them all. <laughs> like like a fat person who just keeps like uh, you know candy in the cupboard and if, if I can just not eat that then I'll know I've won my battle with my weight and he screws up and starts eating people way too quickly <laughs> he ends up that's how he ends up being revealed um, yeah I, I, but I, I I just I dug it all I don't know yeah. what did you think of this one yeah I really like this one too I thought it was really good uh, since you know there's no real story of what happened on the Demeter so I really liked getting sorted to know what happened and yeah, just where they went with it. I thought it was all very interesting. Yeah. I mean, it was, I did find in this episode, they started to layer in some of the, some of the preachy, like politically correct stuff that kind of got a little overhand for me. It's a little bit too in your face with it, but I think that has more to do with the, just being a TV production and them not being able to do it quite as well as they wanted to. Yeah. So, I mean, it wasn't at all a problem. Overall, I enjoyed it. Um, episode three. So I don't need, I guess just full on spoilers. Is that what we have to do? To- <laughs> <laughs> I would assume so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's so on Netflix. On sp- if you were really excited about seeing it, I'm assuming you would have watched it by now. I guess, yeah. So episode three, the the first big reveal is that uh, episode three takes place 123 years after episode two, which is kind of a weird time jump. Yeah. Um, but I was okay with it. I wasn't bothered yeah. by the fact that they did it. Um, basically, Dracula was trapped underwater that whole time, and Cruz looking for the Demeter eventually found it and accidentally resurrect him and uh yeah shows shows up in england not knowing that it's been 123 years which i thought was a nice touch it was a good because it happens at the end of episode two yeah i feel like it is a nice like punch at the end of episode two you're like holy shit and you immediately hit you know next episode to continue watching but then like once we get there it, it feels like they kind of falls apart yeah, there were elements of it that I really liked. Um, I think they did, like, one of the things I think they did really well was back in, like, episode one, they established that when Dracula feeds on people, he absorbs parts of their memories and their knowledge and stuff. Mm-hmm. So going into three, it's like he's eating people specifically to try and learn how to live in modern society. And, he's abs- and by then there's another time jump that happens. And by the time we get to that second time jump, he's like using dating apps to, to get people to come to him so he could eat them. And I thought that was kind of clever. And they, I, I think they handled it quite well um, by kind of, you know, by establishing that he would learn how to do these things by eating people who know how to do these things. Um, so I like that element of it. I thought, I, mean, I don't even know what to say about the fact that he's, so he's trapped by these this organization that has 
freed him from his water grave and he gets his lawyer to come and get him released and I thought that was just almost an unforgivable error even Count Dracula has rights yeah I was like that's really dumb that was that was really problematic for me um and I think they were trying to be funny but they just missed the mark in my opinion um like there could have been some other way to get him out of there besides that so they could have not even put him in there in the first place I think the whole Harker organization was kind of a dumb setup I didn't mind it I guess it was kind of pointless in the end which I it's problematic for me like I I didn't mind it until he got out and then I'm like well what was the point of putting him in there if he's only going to be in there for five minutes of TV time yeah so then yeah but then he's it's kind of interesting I like the way they kind of took the characters from the original story and modernized a bunch of them so you have uh, what was Mina's best friend is like the main character in the modern world Lucy and you know you've got Quincy and uh, the Dr. Stewart or whatever his name was Mm -hmm. like those are all characters in the modern world now and they're kind of retelling that part of the story but having it been removed and separated from the original story which I thought was pretty well done right up until the very end which is when they just flat out pissed me off yeah should we just spoil how stupid the ending was sure because I fucking hated it yeah the the ending which like I watched it and I thought I must have misinterpreted that and I actually like went back and watched it again and I thought no I must be missing something and then I went and watched like YouTube videos about it to try and convince myself that what (laughs) I was seeing wasn't real but effectively what they're saying is that all of the things that can hurt Dracula are just in his head. He's just he's just scared of crosses. They don't actually hurt him. And he can actually he could have walked in the sunlight this whole time if he just wanted to, but he was just convinced it would hurt him, so he never tried. And fuck all that. That just pissed me off. God, it was yeah. stupid. And all this is because he's afraid of death, which is, you know, the whole thing is Dracula's immortal as long as he keeps feeding. Yeah. And, yeah, we find out, yeah, the his main antagonist is dying of cancer, and apparently that's poisonous to vampires, like if they drink <coughs> cancer yeah. blood. And then at the end, he just kills himself by drinking her blood. <laughs> like, that's really fucking yeah. stupid. I, I have not watched this yet, and I'm uh, glad. Yeah, watch the first two. Yeah, and they'll be like, well, it's kind of weird how they stopped with Dracula at the bottom of the ocean. You could even watch the first two and then watch the first half of the third one. Just avoid the last ten minutes of the third one, really. It, that ending was so fucking stupid. I just hated it. Yeah. And I'm just like, Yeah. It's done, it's, by, so, it's done by Stephen Moffat, which I know Noah's a gigantic fan of his. So, Is he the dude that fucked up uh, Doctor Who? <laughs> For you, he is, yes. Oh, that son of a bitch. <laughs> fucking up Doctor Who and then fucking up Dracula. What the hell? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It, it. Oh, that ending was so terrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because like, I thought these, the stuff with the cancer blood was interesting. And I could see them using that, like tricking him into drinking it or something, 
but no. they just yeah whatever <laughs> i don't know i like i'd seriously i'd go back and i'd watch episode two over and over again i <laughs> just avoid three because <laughs> i was liking it so much like the last half of it, the last half of episode one and all of episode two is really great, and then fucking Jesus. <laughs> if Jesus showed up, I think it would have been a lot better. Would have made more sense. <laughs> Wasn't that Dracula two thousand? I think that was Dracula two thousand, <laughs> where Jesus and Dracula were connected. Well, I thought it was actually a good twist. I don't know if the execution was great, but yeah. <sighs> Yeah. So yeah, episode three ruins the whole thing. Fucking dumb. Yeah. yeah. Again, like some good ideas in episode three. I didn't mind the time jump. I didn't mind the. It's just. It's really that the thing with the lawyer and then the ending are just oh, what the fuck? What is wrong with these people? Like, why would you do that? How could anybody have written that and thought it was a good idea? Like, is there nobody in charge of, like, going through? Again, you need the executive to just come in and go, no, no. Look, people like Dracula because of who he is don't change that. Like, that'd be like coming in at the end and saying, oh, he never really needed to drink blood. He just preferred the flavor of it. <laughs> yeah, so bad. I will say there is special effects in one scene where are done fantastically, but... Even that's not enough to which save scene, it. Which scene is that? Uh, after Lucy dies and she goes to be cremated, but she wakes up in the middle of it as a vampire. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty good. Walks out. With I like that. <laughs> her body completely burned. Yeah. I like that. I liked watching her in that, <laughs> getting pushed into the thing on fi- the fire, and she just wakes up in the coffin, and you're like, uh-oh, that's not going to be good. <laughs> Yeah, too bad. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. So that, that, that's, that's the stuff I watched. Right. So I'm gonna lightning round a couple things. Uh, um, friend from work had not seen uh, Night of the Creeps, so I had him come over and watch that. He thoroughly enjoyed it. After that, I'm like, well, it's Christmas time, so need to watch a Christmas movie. Have you ever seen Santa's sleigh? And he's like, no. I'm like, well, you are now. And he absolutely loved that. Uh, let's see. Uh, I watched The Beach Bum from Harmony Corinne. Uh, I wouldn't say I'm a huge Harmony Corinne fan, but uh, I thought the trailer looked interesting. And I will say Matthew McConaughey's performance where he's just, he's actually, he looks like a homeless dude, but he's like a, he's like a writer. And, uh, but he's just sort of like been drifting on his success from when he was younger and he's married to like a super rich, uh, wife. So he doesn't really have to do anything. So he basically spends all of his time down in Florida going back and forth from the Florida keys to, uh, the mainland or whatever. This movie's much more of like a collection of stories like uh, just a bunch of shit happens to him but he ends up running to all these different interesting people Like Martin Lawrence is in it and plays this weird boat captain with obvious mental problems and he's really good um, runs into Zac Efron at a rehab facility 
and they both just break out and go on a crazy drug-fueled couple of days. Um, yeah. So it's interesting. I wouldn't say the movie is great, but uh, I think Matthew McConaughey's performance is pretty fantastic. So yeah, the, he's so good when he wants to be. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So worth a watch. Snoop Dogg's in it. Snoop Dogg's actually pretty good. Basically plays right. himself. Yeah. So. He's really good at playing himself. He is. He has a different name and everything, but I think Harmony Korea was like, you're just, you're you. Just be you. It's like, all right. Uh, I was in the mood for some Killer Ants movie. It's good. So I picked uh, I picked uh, Phase 4 to watch, which I had never seen before. Oh, that's been on my watch list for a long time. Well, I was disappointed in it, but I think there's a specific reason. I was more looking for like a them or Empire of the Ants type movie. Right. Uh, and I got more of a psychological horror movie about two guys trapped in this scientific uh, research facility that's, you know, sort of been overtaken by these uh, ants that have been affected by some alien artifact or something but they're just like regular ants and i think it's more of a psychological movie about them sort of trapped in here with each other than it is you know fighting ants so uh i think if i was in the mood for something more like that i probably would have enjoyed it but i was i was more in like oh they should they should bring in giant ants and fight them with flamethrowers. <laughs> and that would probably be a better movie. So I didn't enjoy it. But again, I think it's just because I was I was looking for something and I didn't get it. Doesn't mean it's, okay. it's a bad movie. Uh, let's see. Watch Cold Pursuit with Liam Neeson. Um, okay. It's the one where he's the uh, snowplow driver who has to kill the people he killed his son or something. Yeah. Yeah, I was really interested in checking that one out, and I watched it, and it's okay. It's not great. It's pretty much, you know, it's a typical Liam Neeson movie. (laughs) Yeah. Where he's a snowplow driver, but it turns out he has connections and can do shit. So... Yeah, it's all right. It's it's not the best movie. It's not the worst. But you know, if you're in the mood for Liam Neeson, I'm going to avenge my son slash daughter, rescue them from being kidnapped type mood. <laughs> yeah. It would probably fill that void for you. you. Just say Liam Neeson. It covers all that. <laughs> yeah. Let's <laughs> uh, see. So yeah, I watched a movie called The Standoff of Sparrow Creek. Um, What's that? this so it's a movie about a militia who, okay, it's like this group of guys, you know, typical militia bullshit. They all have this warehouse that one of them owns that, you know, they have all their guns and bullshit in it. Um, but anyway, <clears throat> apparently there is a cop cop who's been killed before the movie starts. And they were having a funeral, and then someone descended on the funeral and like killed a bunch of cops 
And then it's like, oh, shit. Like, they're going to think the militia did it because, you know, they're a militia. Like, the police know about them, but they haven't done anything illegal yet. So they're like, fuck. So they all go to meet. And then sort of the whole movie takes place in this warehouse because when they get there and they're like, we should, you know, take uh, all the guns and store them somewhere else so that if they start, you know, coming around because a couple of the the guns have been modified and are not necessarily legal. But when they open the, uh, the cache of weapons, uh, one of the rifles is missing. So then it starts like this paranoid, like did somebody who's here actually do this? And there's a guy there who is a former cop who, uh, starts is then put in charge of like interrogating people to figure out which one of them, possibly did it and meanwhile another guy has supposed to get on like the they got the little ham radio and talk to other militias in the area to sort of tell them like hey we didn't do it we hope you guys didn't do it so basically they're just trying to keep all the heat off them while this guy's uh interrogating people i thought it was a really good just sort of like low budget um paranoia like you get uh, like a lot of stuff from the thing sort of comes to mind. Just yeah, you know, it sounds who, like it could be really interesting. Yeah, who can I trust? Who, uh, you know, who, who, whatever. Like it's, it's pretty good. I would. I don't know if I was satisfied by the very end of the movie, but you know, I definitely went whoa, not what I expected to happen. So that's something, I guess. But yeah, it's it's. It's worth a watch, um, but I would say make it like a Netflix watch or something. Sure. Some people may not enjoy it. It's definitely much more of a characters just interacting with each other type stuff. Uh, the last movie I watched was Uncut Gems. Uh, this movie was pretty good. Adam Sandler is really good in it, which is shocking for a lot of people. So- weird thing to say but i know um so he owns a jewelry store and he also has basically a gambling addiction (laughs) and he owes a lot of people money to the point that people are showing up to like you know tell him like you know you said you'd have it in a week yeah it's been a week you haven't had it yet and he's like no no i totally got it i just you know i gotta I got to I got to move some stuff around and then you know he's off to some other place trying to con someone out of some money so he can place another bet thinking like oh this will be the one it it's, it's it'll hit and then I can pay these two people back and then you know uh the movie's very tense just because he's got so much shit going on that uh you're worried some shit some bad shit's going to happen to him um it's really good. It's done by the Safdie brothers, who I'm becoming a fan of. They did a movie called Good Time with Robert Pattinson. It was really good. Uh, yeah. So, worth a watch. Apparently, it's coming to Netflix at the end of January. So. Oh, okay. Um, I thought it was like a Netflix movie, but, I mean, it's been out in theaters. Uh, it's an an A and it's an A twenty four film, so I didn't know how involved Netflix was with it because there was no like Netflix logo or anything. But looks like it got picked up 
is going to be on the end of uh, end of January. Yeah, Netflix is doing a thing now where they, I think, are signing deals to get things quicker, mm-hmm. but still giving them a small chance to be theatrical so that they can be make a yeah. little bit of money before it goes to Netflix. I'm not sure how it works exactly. Yeah, yeah but Adam Sandler's fantastic in it. Um, yeah, definitely worth a watch. Like, I really enjoyed it. Uh, and then the last thing, uh, I guess is, uh, I finished up uh, crisis on infinite earths finally. So they did, uh, three parts of crisis before the winter break for everybody. And then on Tuesday, they finally had the last two parts of it and, uh, yeah, did not disappoint. So basically this is like the, uh, Avengers in game of, of the Arrowverse. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. Somebody's trying to destroy the the multiverse. Uh, of course. Spoiler alert: they succeed, and that was our cliffhanger. We had a, you know, a handful of characters that were left at a certain spot that could not be touched by the destruction of the multiverse, which somewhat makes sense if you watch the show. Like it, something they've talked about many seasons ago on multiple shows. So we get back and then, yeah, they have to figure out a way to stop the anti-monitor and end up restoring pretty much everything. And it solves a lot of problems for CW because they had, uh, let's see, was it five, six shows spread across three different quote unquote earths. And with this, they were able to streamline it to where all, they all now on CW take place on the same earth and okay. fixes that problem. Now they can have more common crossovers without any sort of, you know, timey wimey, uh, quit coming up with excuses. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they kind of did anyway. There's just like, Oh yeah, we can cross over to multiple earths now. And so, I mean, they kind of just been doing that the past couple of years, but now they finally got them all on one. So sort of fixes it, I guess. I don't know. It hasn't been it hasn't been like a huge problem, but yeah, they just like, yeah, we're gonna redo everything, so this will fix this this problem for us and make it all better. So it was good. Uh the two big moments is that uh that I was super happy about is the John Wesley ship from the nineties flash sort of got like a redemption for that character where he ends up coming back as the nineties flash and has this big moment, this big send off. And, you know, he's been showed up a little bit last, last season in their crossover that sort of set all this up and everything. And I felt like, you know, it's just one of those things like, Oh, I'm happy for him. Like he's like, I played this character when superheroes weren't cool to be on TV and the show didn't do very well, and then it got canceled, and, you know, all this stuff. But he kind of gets to come back and redeem it a little bit, do a nice little send-off for the character. And I was really happy about that. And then the other one that I was even happier about is that uh, Brandon Routh got to play Superman again. And he plays specifically the Superman from Superman Returns. 
Because I always felt like he was a good Superman. He was just in a shitty Superman movie. So yeah, it I, wasn't his fault. That movie sucked. Yeah. So I was really happy for him, and he got to come back, and he played... <coughs> they call him the Kingdom Come Superman, even though he's not really in this, but he wears, yeah. like, the the crest with the black in the background and stuff. And yeah, so he kind of got it to redeem himself, too, like, and... <laughs> I mean, spoiler alert, I guess, but at the very, one of the very last shots of the last episode when they're sort of, you know, doing the narration over everybody being happy or whatever that this thing is over with, we do get the classic Superman flying over the horizon of the earth, looks into the camera, gives the little nod and then sort of turns and flies off to the other side of the world or whatever. And it's, you know, Brandon, Brandon Routh in, in the costume doing it just made me happy. He kind of had his, his redemption moment with that character. Cause again, good Superman, <laughs> terrible Superman movie. <laughs> so that's good that he got his redemption. Yeah. And I think if you have the CW app, all five parts of, Crisis are now up and you can watch them for free. So if you want to see some awesome cameos like Knox from uh, Tim Burton's Batman makes a quick appearance. Burt Ward as Robin shows up. Um, just lots of fun stuff. You get uh, another trip to Smallville if you're a Smallville fan. You see Tom Hashtag Walling. not by Flash. That was the weird one. Uh... I don't know. I guess spoiler. I've been seeing it. I've been seeing it all over Facebook, but out of nowhere, uh, Ezra Miller as the Flash from the DC movies showed up out of nowhere. So him and the Flash from the TV had a little moment back and forth, which I actually thought the moment was kind of fun. But those movies can suck my dick. So, although isn't. Part of the res- resolution of crisis that there is only one Earth now, well, which, I mean, which would which would mean the DC movie universe is destroyed. Do you, do you want me to spoil it for you? I don't give a shit. No. Well, people at home, spoilers. Uh, so they not only create Earth Prime as they call it, but the entire <laughs> multiverse is brought back. But it's it's a different multiverse than what it was before it was destroyed. So, uh, stuff like uh, Titans over on the DC streaming service takes place on its own Earth, as does the Swamp Thing show and uh, the Doom Patrol show is on their own separate Earth. And the new uh, the new Star Girl show that's supposed to be happening show they give a little quick quick shot of that. Apparently, they're working on a Green Lantern hmm. show for. HBO Max, some another stream service. They do a quick shot of Oa on that. So that's got its own separate Earth. And then, of course, the Brandon Routh uh, Superman that's the doing the classic shot, showing that he ended up okay after everything was settled or whatever. So essentially, they just re they rebirthed the multiverse, but due to machinations and in the show uh 
all of the Arrowverse stuff has been merged into one Earth instead of multiple. So. Does it all kind of make sense? That's the real question. I mean, yeah, as much as these shows do make sense. Okay. Yeah, so... It was interesting. Uh, you know, we still got two more episodes of Arrow before that's officially over, so I'm curious to see what happens. But uh, but I know Noah will be very happy. So now that they're all on one Earth, they, they go and set up in a warehouse that's owned by Star Labs that we've seen before. And, of course, the front of this warehouse looks just like the Hall of Justice from the old Super Friends nice. cartoon. And, uh, yeah, and Flash is like, oh, this is the best part, and he pulls, like, the little sheet off of the round table and all the chairs, and, of course, that every chair has their own insignia on it, and they've left, they've left a chair for Green Arrow, even though he's technically, spoiler alert, dead now. Um, but then you hear, like, they all sit down, they're all happy, smiling, and then you hear a bunch of, like, shit going on and some weird chitter chatter up in the rafters and they're like what's that I'm like I don't know we'll have to look and then the camera pans over to a crate that has a tag on it from Star Labs that says Gleek and I was I was so fucking happy Uh, but we never see it and I don't think it's actually going to play out to anything I think it was just funny so we'll see but Oh, that's the worst. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. All right, for next episode, we're going to be talking about two Shane Black movies that he wrote. Uh, The first being one of my favorites, Long Kiss Goodnight, starring Gina Davis and Samuel L. Jackson. And the other one being a very popular movie that I've never seen called The Last Boy Scout with uh, Bruce Willis and Damon Wayans. I can't believe you never saw The Last Boy Scout. That's I know. weird. All I, I remember know. is that somebody's nose gets broken with a football. Yeah. It's similar. <laughs> but, but with Damon Wayans and Bruce Willis. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's one I've never seen and I figured this was a good excuse to uh, well, I just wanted to rewatch Long Kiss Goodnight. And this would be a good excuse for me to uh, finally watch The Last Boy Scout. Yeah. I've never seen Long Kiss Goodnight. So. Uh, it's good. It may, it may end up being another uh, on the Christmas rotation. I don't know. It takes place during Christmas. Yeah. As does basically yeah. everything Shane Black does. Yeah, I don't think uh, Last Boy Scout does. They must have edited that out. <laughs> Look, Shane, we get it. Everything. You love Christmas. We're not doing it again. We're not paying you for the script if it has Christmas in it next time. <laughs> Jesus. Fine. He tears out a page and just hands it to him. <laughs> how do you how do you feel about Santa Claus cameos? Me? Doing this shame. Was a joke. No, it wasn't very funny. No, but I recognized it was a joke. <laughs> Well, I thought there was like a Santa Claus cameo in Last Boy Scout. I'm like, I don't know. I don't think there is. They go to a strip club at one point, but I don't think any of the strippers are dressed as Santa at all. <laughs> There's a joke about how one of the characters knows the word circumvented and the other character doesn't. So, 
In uh, in Long Kiss Goodnight, Samuel Jackson has a bunch of hilarious lines. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of weird that I haven't seen that. Sam Jackson, Gina Davis, yeah. Shane Black. It's it's weird. I don't think I would have ever seen it. Uh, my old roommate watched it once, and I just kind of was there, so I was watching it too. And I was like, "Wow, I really actually like this movie." And have uh, basically bought it and watched it ever since. Yeah. Excitement. Yeah. This is the part where one of us is supposed to say something clever and then the show would end, but... All my cleverness has been lost due to my broken ass. (laughs) Maybe we just left our cleverness in 2019. Yeah. I'm reasonably confident we were not clever back then either. Man, I was I was so hopeful for 2020, and it's not going well. <laughs> Australia's on fire, like shit's going crazy. My ass is broken. Barely avoided is... nuclear war with Iran. Oh Jesus! Yeah, thanks for getting a bunch of our citizens killed, there, guys. We really appreciate that. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night. I agree. I'm just silent because I'm in horrible butt pain. (laughs) All right. Just see if we need a break. I just need to stand up for like three seconds <laughs> and then I sit back down and I'll be good. Uh, but you got to record yourself standing up because my understanding is that could be hilarious. Yeah, you guys are probably going to hear it. This is going to be so hard. This chair rocks. It rocks, so I'm going to have a lot of stability to push myself up. Oh, my butthole. <laughs> That's pretty close to the noise I made earlier. I like went. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Don't don't look at me. <laughs> look away, child. Look away. I'm so ashamed. The worst part is every time I laugh, my ass hurts. <laughs> <laughs> Which only makes me laugh harder. It's so funny. Okay. Ow. Balls. <laughs> Maybe I should just do the rest of the show standing by <laughs> the chair. <laughs> you need to get yourself a uh, hemorrhoid donut. Oh, man. I got one of those uh, purple uh, seat pillow things. It helps a lot, but fuck. I don't know if this is going to make you feel better or worse, but I actually stood up and walked around while this was going on, and it had no ill effects on me whatsoever. <laughs> My legs feel a little better because I stretched them slightly. 